Hello and welcome to this episode of Human Rights Magazine. My name is Derek McCush. The Fulani people are part of an ethnic group across the Sahara, Sahel, and West Africa, comprising between 25 and 40 million people. About 10 million of them are pastoralists, and so they are part of the largest nomadic pastoral community in the world. Almost all are Muslims. In this podcast, Pauline Gomans explores the discrimination that Fulani people face in Ghana and why that discrimination has increased in recent years. In recent years, the discrimination against Fulani people in Ghana has increased drastically. Stereotypes and prejudice prevents them from receiving the same treatment as other Ghanaians. They face constant marginalization. Not only are they denied certain legal documents, they're also the targets of violent and deadly attacks. To understand more about this complex issue, I spoke with Dr. Kaderi Nuaga Bukhari, who is a researcher at the University of Cape Coast in Ghana and an expert in the subject of Fulani rights. I first asked him what type of persecution Fulani people faced in Ghana. And here's how our conversation unfolded. Apart, apart from the physical where continuously they are discriminated against, there are a number of state policies, a number of uh, local level politics, number of local level issues that often discriminate against them. Also, they are physically abused. They are often regarded as criminals. And so they are continuous attacks of their communities. They have been in conflict with many groups because they are Fulani, especially in the midst of these terrorist attacks. A number of communities in West Africa have seen them as uh, a danger because some of their people are with the terrorist group. I don't know whether you know of the Jena. There's a, there's a terrorist group that is called, it's normally J-N-I-M. If you look at that group, one of the leaders of the group is being led by a Fulani, and his name is Ahmad Nkofa. So because of this, many groups have seen them as uh, a threat, and that they are the ones who are perpetrating a lot of terrorist acts. Mm-hmm. And so local communities have armed them. So you know, you know, in the Sahel, there are a number of voluntary groups yeah. who are actually fighting the terrorists, who are, who are helping government, because the government... Uh, has lost control in many of the areas. As mm-hmm. a result, you see that it is the Fulani, it is, it is the local communities who have formed themselves into voluntary groups trying to fight the jihadists yeah. in that order. So you see that the Fulanis are the ones who are mostly affected by, because of that, uh, 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 continuously they are attacked, they are even killed mm-hmm. by, 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 by most of these groups. At the same time, the terrorists are also attacking the Fulanis. Because yeah. they are in, 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 in they, they live in their communities and they are continuously being being persecuted by these terrorists, and so they find themselves in a form of uh, in a very in a very serious conundrum, where they have to face terrorists at the same time they are being seen by local communities as terrorists. At the same time, state security agencies and government also see them as terrorists, and so yeah. continuously they also try to they, they are suffering from all those things. Mm-hmm. If you come it down to the local communities, the citizenship of Fulani is actually difficult in many, many parts of West Africa, mm-hmm. especially in the coastal countries of West Africa. They yeah. are continuously being seen as non-citizens, late comers, and therefore the issue of land rights, the issue of citizenship, and many other things are being denied them. And so this is a major problem that they have. So continuously the persecution goes on. And, some, and when you come on, and issues of armed robbery, issues of theft, or any cattle rustling happens, 
The Fulanis are continuously being seen as the ones who are engaged. And so communities mobilize themselves and go to attack them. Mm -hmm. There are a number of these that have taken place in many communities. At the same time, conflicts with farmers in terms of crop destruction have also led to several attacks against them. Mm -hmm. And so these issues are continuously uh, 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 being suffered by the Fulani, not, not in terms of uh, uh, their citizenship, in terms of their stay, in terms of their access to resources as well. And why this discrimination? What caused it? Um, where do these stereotypes come from? It is caused by the fact of increased issues of security, such as robbery, theft of cattle, and then conflict with farmers. These are the issues that are driving the discriminations against them. Okay. That people, people continuously see them as bad. Let me put okay. it that way. Because of the issues of robbery. And you know, when robbery occurs in Ghana, there is often the belief or the perception that it is the Fulani who, have, who are engaged in it. This robbery is done by Fulani Highway, robberies, and other crimes that are committed in communities. People feel that it is the Fulani who are engaged in it. And so these perceptions have tended to let people think that these are bad people who do not, who do not deserve to be in our midst. And that mm -hmm. historically, you know, historically, they've not Fulani is one of the latest, the late comers in terms of migration into Ghana. Their migration, yeah. although happens happened for a long time, nobody can tell. But but as uh, 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 early as the eighteen hundreds, there were a number of them who were moving into Ghana and coming back. Mm -hmm. But these discriminations have tended to increase more simple because of these factors that I'm talking about. The increase mm -hmm. in crop destruction, the increase in robberies and highway robberies in particular crime, and the uh, uh, impact of climate change, which is of course driving a number of these factors that are coming in. And has this issue been going on for a long time now or has it become more prominent in recent years? Yes, it's, it's, it's been something that has been historical but in this in these days, it has led to more. They've been they've seen an increase in it. I mean, the number I ten years ago, you know, this my paper was my research for this paper was written ten years ago. Mm -hmm. It was actually written. It, my, the research for this paper was done in 2013, 2014. Yeah. I expected that things would have improved, but I've realized that increasingly this is becoming more and more within the society yeah. and more discriminations are coming in. And the issue of discrimination has even become more serious, especially where citizenship is being defined in Ghana. Now, now we have this uh, idea of the Ghana card, which is a, a, a card that one needs for uh, uh, citizenship. And without that card, you, are, you can't take part in a number of activities as a Ghanaian. So, okay. and, and, and they have suffered a lot because of this thing. As a result, it, it becomes very, very difficult for them to be able to get access to a number of services because of the fact that they are not regarded as citizens. And this has always been a debate as to whether they are citizens or not. A few of them who, of course, have proof, proof of these documents have been granted citizenship, but they also went through a number of uh, measures before they were accepted. Some of them who even have access to these documents did have a number of challenges before they were able to gain access. And you can imagine a number of them who do not have access to these 
uh, uh, documents. They yeah. are continuously suffering and are not able to gain access to some of these documents. And this is the problem. So what are some um, consequences to this discrimination for um, other communities and for the country of Ghana? The, the danger of all these things is that the continuous discrimination, the continuous uh, 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 marginalization of the phobia and attacks on them is isolating them from the community. Because a number of them, what will happen is that if you don't do the terrorist groups and other groups that are coming in, will, these people will find solace with these people and will feel that they belong there more than you. Because Amadon Kofa, uh, who is the leader of Jenem, has been calling on them to join his group to fight mm -hmm. all those who are against them. Mm -hmm. And they are, they are, last week, I heard something that he issued a statement or his group issued a statement in particular about Ghana. And the group is urging uh, 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 the Ghanaian community, uh, urging, urging Fulani in Ghana to also stand up themselves and that if there's any attack against them, they should, they should, they, his group will come and attack in Ghana. So when we do this, the people tend to find themselves uh, 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 belonging to this particular group and therefore will take action to fight against uh, uh, members of the community. And this is, this is the danger that we have. In your opinion, what are some potential solutions or actions that can be put in place to attempt to resolve this issue? There's a need for actually a dialogue between communities and the Fulani on how some of these issues can be resolved. Local governance structures need to put in place to include the Fulani in so many, in so many local issues. Mm -hmm. The need for dialogue, the need for setting up inter-community uh, uh, dialogue processes where conflicts can easily be resolved. Early warning systems are put in place to ensure that uh, 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 these issues do not escalate into some of the nasty things that we are seeing where Fulani communities are attacked and bent. After my conversation with Dr. Bukhari, I had the chance to speak with Ahmed Bari, who is the president of the Fulani Youth Association of Ghana and the national organizer of Tabital Pulaku, an NGO that focuses on educating Fulanis on the importance of cattle ranching and children's education. Being a Fulani man and an advocate for Fulani rights, Ahmed Bari gave me some insight into the reality of the struggles faced by his community. I'll talk about Ghana, because yeah. I live in Ghana. Yeah. Ghana, we face stereotyping, we face prejudice, we face physically ab ab abuse, we, we are discriminated, we are not uh, given uh, other opportunities as any other tribe. Mm -hmm. As we speak today, just last week, we buried five of our Fulani brothers in the Upper East region of Ghana, mm -hmm. just because the, the perception in Ghana is that if any crime is committed somewhere, it's being committed by a Fulani. And mm -hmm. by so, people just get up and do mob. They go and attack the whole community, kill the people, shoot them, shoot their cows, you know, mm -hmm. all these things, you understand. And mm -hmm. honestly, this is, not, uh, this is not good. This is not mm -hmm. helping us at all as a country. We face all this. We even face discrimination to get even documents. Mm -hmm. In Ghana, if you are Fulani and you want to obtain a passport, it's a problem. Yeah. You know, you have to pass through somebody. You have to, you have to be questioned. You have to be sent away. 
they have to tell you go and bring your great grandfather's documents. And where are you going to get this document from? My great grandfather has passed away a long time. I don't even know where his website is. And you're asking mm -hmm. me to go and bring it before you, uh, you know, approve me as a citizen. Yep. You know, so mm -hmm. we face all sorts of, you know, all sorts. I mean, everything that you can think of. So you talked about the discrimination that Fulani people face while trying to get um, legal documents. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? This is intentional. Mm -hmm. I don't see this to be a kind of law because mm -hmm. even me, my younger sister has been denied passport mm -hmm. and I have to go in and fight for her before she got her passport. Just because you mentioned a Fulani, you'll be treated differently. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the law. There are other people, if they mention their tribe, well, they, are, they are good to go. But if you mention a Fulani, you'll be asked so many questions, you'll be quarreled, you'll be, if you're not careful, your name will be blacklisted just because you're a Fulani. Mm -hmm. And this is not about law. Although we have the laws of the country, whereby you know you have to pass through the normal process and all, but the Fulanis are treated differently, mm -hmm. completely differently. Yes, mm -hmm. the laws of the country doesn't say that because of you 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 can be a citizen by by tribe. No, it doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. We have people who are living in Ghana and they are white people. They are not even black, but they are Ghanaian. Mm -hmm. They are holding Ghanaian passports. Mm -hmm. So why not even me being a Ghanaian, be staying in Ghana for long? My great grandfather was born here. Of Although course. there are bylaws here, but uh, it doesn't guarantee that uh, I cannot have passports. It has mm -hmm. something to do with uh, discrimination against the Fulani community. Thank you for that explanation. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your feelings towards the matter um, as a young Fulani person in Ghana. Well, honestly speaking, uh, I, I, I feel very bad. I... I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. I'm not a happy person. I'm a young person, and I would like to see my 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 youth, uh, you know, become somebody one day in Ghana, become even uh, ministers or maybe military or you know, just to join the people. I want to see, but uh, currently, what is happening now is very sad. Even mm -hmm. if you're Fulani and you're educated and you want to go and then enroll on any governmental uh, organization, they tell you are Fulani, so you are not, you are not sick. Mm -hmm. And I feel very sad when I see people attacking Fulani communities. Mm -hmm. I just came back from the Northern region last week, whereby I met with over 80 kids who are homeless because their homes have been attacked. I, mm -hmm. felt, I feel very sad. And this is happening every week or every two weeks in Ghana now in the Northern region. Mm -hmm. Although we have the side, if we also have the Fulani, also have their bad aspect, but what really is happening to the Fulani communities is not good. Honestly, yeah. I feel very bad. What are some potential solutions to this issue? Are there some actions that the government can take to resolve this matter? Yeah, more of the solution has to do with the uh, one has to do with government intervention and then uh, media also, uh, you know trying to stop using the name Fulani as bad people, mm -hmm. and also education, you know, do a lot of sensitization across the country to sit with the different communities where the Fulanis are, especially in the villages, and then also, um, you know, do a kind of joint, um, you know, meetings with uh, traditional chiefs and mm -hmm. local people, you understand. And then the media will have a big role because it's the media that sent the message out there 
And then lastly, the politicians. The politicians also play a big role. Also, you know, kind of, um, you know, deal with uh, their own people. They don't want their yeah. people to blame them. So whenever they commit something and they are arrested, you see politicians coming on board to come and just, uh, you know, um, build them or maybe get them out of, uh, you know, the whole issue and stuff. But yeah. I think uh, one has to do with uh, government intervention. Also, mm-hmm. government intervention. If I say government intervention, government will have to come with cattle ranching system so the animals don't get to move every year across. You know, they get to stay at one place. Media, media house, media houses will have to, you know, stop using the name Fulani. As for example, if three people commit crime and there's one among them who is a Fulani, you see the media coming out like to say one Fulani man, one Fulani mm-hmm. armed robber arrested with two others. The two mm-hmm. others, they don't have name or they don't have tribe. They yeah. use the Fulani as a scapegoat. You know, mm-hmm. the media also has to stop all these things. And I believe the name will actually go down. And mm-hmm. then also, um, if I talk about um, sensitization, education, Fulanis need to educate their children. And also, they need to be given some opportunities also so that mm-hmm. um, their kids will go to school, maybe building schools for them, or maybe mm-hmm. doing a lot of sensitization across um, the communities where Fulanis live, especially they live in the mm-hmm. villages. So doing a lot of sensitization will help them a lot. And mm-hmm. if I talk about politicians, politicians also have to understand that they have to talk to their people and let them understand Fulanis are part of us. Fulanis are also people that we have to live in our communities. We have to live in peace with them. If you don't yeah. know and you go and kill a Fulani person, I will not come and defend you. You know, yeah. they all have yeah. to play a role. Yes, before mm-hmm. the traditional chiefs also. Mm-hmm. These are the basic things I think I can help. For my last discussion on the issue, I had the opportunity to speak with Alhaji Yakubu Musa Berry, who is the General Secretary of Tabital Pulaku and who has been an advocate for Fulani rights for the past decade. He was born in the capital city, Accra, just after the independence of the country, and he told me about his experiences growing up as a Fulani man compared to his experiences as a Fulani man today. It just started about a decade or two decades now. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was born and bred here. There's no stereotyping, no marginalization against any tribe in Ghana. Okay. We were all one people and we followed our motto, one nation, one people, one destiny. It just started when this climate change started and we are starting to have these foreign Fulanese and foreign people in the country. And this is where the stereotyping started. So you have seen the development of this situation. Um, you have seen the increase in discrimination and the increase in violent attacks. How do you feel about the situation of the Fulani community in Ghana today? I'm really feeling very, very bad because they are using one brush to paint all of this, and that is very, very bad. For example, I told you our second lady, Ajia Samira Baumia, she's a Fulani. So if you, the, a crime is committed and that particular person is a Fulani, he's not prosecuted by his name, and you say all Fulanis are criminals, you know, it's very hurting. Yeah. Or I go to make any national document being a citizen of this country just because I said I'm a Fulani and I'll be denied any national document. Mm-hmm. Or if I seek for employment, uh, when I go to the inter- interviewer, where asked where do you come from what is your tribe the moment you mention 
But Fulani, no, they will not take you as employee. Our security force is the same thing. When you go for an enlistment, the big point, when you are a Fulani, they bring you out of the queue. Mm-hmm. This is what he said. And it just started about a decade or two now. My father is an ex-service personnel in Ghana. He served in the Gold Coast Regiment before even Ghana Army. So if today I'm a Fulani, because I'm a Fulani, or my children or my grandchildren are Fulani, because of that, they've been denied citizenship where they don't think they are going. Made speaking now that I said I was born over 60 years now. Yeah. I don't even have any country to, to go yeah. than Ghana. And if my children, my grandchildren, because they are Fulani, they are being denied rights of certain things, you know, it's very hurting. I hate, it hurts me very a lot. Could you give us maybe an example of a time you witnessed um, this discrimination? There's a time I was driving to the north. I get to a police barrier and I saw a Fulani man handcuffed by a tree. Mm-hmm. Then I packed and I drive back and I came down. Mm-hmm. When I came down, I walked to the immigration offices. I greeted them and I asked them what's wrong, what's this, what is the offense of this poor boy? What they told him, he's a full animal. Just because he's a full animal, he must be handcuffed. Yeah. Then there I said, I'm also a full animal. Then I stretched my hands to them. Yeah. So one of them was in the, the office, just cited me, you know, I'm on the media. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. a lot of people know me. Maybe they did not meet me one to one. Other person saw me, it's like I, I resemble somebody. Then he came out. He said, sir, what is the problem? I said, no, I want to be handcuffed now, now, now. Because I'm also a full animal. If this man is handcuffed, because he's a full animal, I mm. want also to be handcuffed. Yes. Then the other one, oh, General Secretary, are you? I said, don't General Secretary me. What kind of this is this? Mm-hmm. Because if I come up to the headquarters and I complain about it, they will tell you that it's never true. I should bring evidence. I went back to bring up my phone to record. They just lose the guy and they ask the guy to go. And the guy left. And you were talking about the attacks um, targeting Fulani communities and Fulani villages. Um, what type of attacks are committed? Physical attack. Yeah. Physical. A crime will be committed about 30 kilometers away from a Fulani village. Because the suspect is a Fulani, they will move from that 35 kilometers and come to that 35 kilometers village, attack them, kill them, bend their houses. Physical. It's hurting. If I'm talking about it, you see that I'm starting to be emotional. Thank you for listening to this episode of Human Rights Magazine. The podcast is brought to you by the Upstream Journal. I invite you to consider supporting the program and the magazine with a contribution through PayPal as you explore other episodes.